at Truth Network. Wake up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth, but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. Oh, my goodness. Where to start? Where to start? Where to start? So many frustrating things. So little time. So let me start with this. Uh, By the way, in the second segment, we're going to talk to our good friend Tammy Fitzgerald from NC Values Coalition, North Carolina Values Coalition. Because tomorrow, this is what this is what uh, progressives and liberals like to do uh, when the Republicans in the North Carolina state legislature pass a reasonable bill from not reasonable to me as a hardcore pro-life person, but reasonable politically, a 12 week ban. So so almost getting rid of almost all abortions after 12 weeks, uh, which eliminates about 25 to 27 percent of abortions here in North Carolina. So most abortions in North Carolina are performed before 12 weeks. So this is a step in the right direction. We're currently a 20 week state, which makes us uh, uh, an abortion destination state, like like going on uh, to a sandals resort for killing children. So uh, with that, they pass that. And now uh, tomorrow, Governor Cooper our uber liberal empty suit governor, God bless him, and uh, has been traveling around the state having these little town halls talking to the pro-choice crowd. And then tomorrow he's having uh, an official public ceremony to veto that piece of legislation. And, And so obviously he's proud of it. That makes you a hero on the left when you veto anything that has to do with saving unborn children. And so that's what he'll do tomorrow. Then the ball goes back into the court of the Republicans in the North Carolina state legislature. So I'm going to charge you with something today, all of you listening here in North Carolina or listening later or watching online, whatever the case may be, that between now and Monday or Tuesday, you need to contact your two legislators. One in the North Carolina State Senate and one in the North Carolina State House. And then depending on whether they're a Republican or a Democrat, you need to communicate with them. So if you just like like you can do this really easily, uh, it's, if you just Google find my legislators, OK, it's not that very it's not very difficult. If you want to do it through the official North Carolina General Assembly website, that's just nclegleg.gov backslash find your legislators in NC leg.gov backslash find your legislators if you're here in North Carolina. Put your address in and then you'll see them. Okay, you'll see your your representative in the House and your representative in the Senate. Now, I live in Raleigh, uh, North Carolina, and so both my House member and my Democrat, both my House and my Senate uh, representatives, because Raleigh in and of itself is a blue city, so I have two Democrats. I emailed both of them earlier. The first one, and I sent the same message to both of them, just changed the names and stuff. So here's what I said. Uh, Representative John, his last name is John. I live in North Raleigh and wanted to mention two things. First of all, thank you for serving our district and state. As someone who has been in politics for nearly 20 years, I deeply appreciate your desire to serve the public and what is oftentimes a thankless job. Even though we do not align politically, I certainly honor your role and desire to serve. And I do. Secondly, 
I want to respectfully ask you to consider taking a stand for the lives of unborn children when the override vote comes up next week. I know this is a very partisan issue, but the realities of life are not. They are just that. Realities. Most Americans agree that there should be serious restrictions when it comes to abortion, and this bill addresses that reality. I understand the political pressure involved, but protecting the unborn rises above partisan politics and party platforms. If you are a father or grandfather, you know that instinctively. Thank you for your time and consideration and his service. And yours, Steve Noble, my cell number and my titles and my address, my email address. Okay. And I did the same thing with Lisa Grafstein, my Democrat North Carolina state senator, sent her the same message, changed it to mother or grandmother. And that's what you need to do. Now, on the Republican side, uh, do not, let me stress this, do not email them or call them and, and say, you better vote to over. They already passed the, the pro-life legislation, okay? Uh, I would like them to have gone farther, but they, they did it, okay? So I talked to a buddy of mine the other day who serves in the legislature. He's like, hey, Steve, uh, we're getting terrible, nasty emails from the pro-choice crowd, 100 to 1. So they f- many of the, our legislators, our Republican legislators here in North Carolina, feel uh, under or unappreciated. So you and I need to encourage them. Encourage is to lend courage. So just email. Like if I had a Republican rep, I wish I did, but I don't here in blue Raleigh. And I mean that on several different levels. Uh, I would have said, hey, thank you so much for your service. I would have had the same first point. Appreciate your service, your civil service, your sacrifice, and the desire to serve. Number two, thank you so much for voting for the pro-life legislation to help save uh, more and more babies here in North Carolina. I really appreciate you taking that stand publicly and with your office. I'm praying for you. I support you. And I look forward to seeing uh, Cooper's override veto defeated next week. God bless you. Thank you so much again for serving in his service in your Steve Noble. That's what I would say. I would say, you know, you better, I, you, you better be planning on uh, the, another elections coming up. Nothing negative. Just email them or call them today, Friday, or early next week, because the votes, the override vote's going to come up sometime next week. And encourage them. Appreciate them. Because they are getting hammered from the pro-choice crowd. They are hearing, well, crickets from us. So let's do this well between now and when they take the vote next week. We'll talk to Tammy Fitzgerald from NC Values in the next segment to talk about what's going on there. Uh, every single Republican in the North Carolina House and Senate including the new Republican, uh, the lady that switched parties several weeks ago, every single one of them has to vote for the, vo- the override, to override Cooper's veto. If every single one of they can't lose the one, right? You got that. They can't lose anybody. And if they hold together every single one of them, then they override Cooper's veto, and North Carolina will become a 12-week state, so, so almost no abortions past the 12-week, which will save thousands of lives. Uh, maybe one day we'll get a heartbeat bill, which would effectively get rid of all abortions, but we're not there yet as a state. There are political realities at play. I wish there weren't. I wish they would just come out swinging like they did down in Texas and say, uh, I don't care what the backlash is or whatever. I don't know exactly what's going on. I know that politics is a big player. Wanting to be reelected next year is a big player. Wanting to win back the governorship, that's a big player. Those are political realities. I don't like it, but it is reality, like I said earlier in my email. But we need to pray for them and encourage them. They cannot lose a single Republican when they go to override it. 
which God willing, they will. We'll talk to Tammy Fitzgerald when we come back right after this. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show. So when the Democrats get together and want to veto legislation that would save thousands of babies here in North Carolina, they don't do that in private. They do it publicly. They, they make a party out of it. He's going to do that downtown Raleigh tomorrow at 10 a.m. Uh, to officially veto the 12-week uh, ban that the Republicans passed in the state legislature. And so uh, this is a they're all going to be there patting one another and themselves on the back. Because they think they are heroes. That's what happens. Just think Isaiah. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. This is a Romans world, Romans one world, reprobate mind, suppress the truth, replace it with a lie. So they think they're doing a good thing. And, and they do it openly, almost like, I don't know, it's a bail party or a Molech party. And let's just come out here and celebrate the fact that we're uh, for the murder of the unborn. So how do we pray into that? What do we do? I mentioned uh, contacting your legislators, if they're Republicans, encouraging them, if they're Democrats, challenging them, because this will come up for a override veto vote probably next week. But uh, if we want to get the inside scoop on what's going on here in North Carolina, we go to our friend Tammy Fitzgerald at NC Values. Tammy, how are you? Great. How are you, Steve? Thanks for having me on. Uh, you're very welcome, as always, of course. Uh, I'm, I would, I'm going to quote my dad on this one and say, today I'm vertical, and that's good enough. So uh, <laughs> thanks for calling in. Uh, thanks for calling in. So give us an update on what's going on. It's really reprehensible, disgusting, and sad to me how Cooper is doing this, and they're going to turn this into a little party tomorrow. Uh, but give us an update on what's going on with the legislation and what's going to happen over the next few days. Okay, well, this week the legislature passed a bill that will save thousands of unborn babies' lives from abortion. Um, it has a 12-week limit on abortion, which is not as far as we wanted them to go. Yeah. We were pushing them to go to the heartbeat level. But this will still save thousands of babies, and it also contains some pretty severe restrictions on chemical abortion requiring that the woman receive informed consent in person with the doctor 72 hours before the first pill and that the first pill ha has to be administered by the doctor yeah. in person. Um, and, and also it prohibits advertising those pills on the Internet or anywhere else and prohibits anyone but the doctor from giving the woman the pills. Of course, a lot of women are taking illegal abortion yeah. pills now because they're so easy to get, but... This bill is going to save thousands of lives, but it also protects women by providing some uh, pretty great services for women who find themselves in an unfortunate situation when they get pregnant. Um, and so the governor is saying he's going to veto it tomorrow in downtown Raleigh with a very public ceremony and rally. And he's uh, toured the state this week trying to call out the Republican legislators who passed the bill. Um, and he, I, I might say, by the way, that doctors who have stood beside him and behind him are all uh, abortionists, either yeah. from Duke, UNC, or Planned Parenthood. Yeah. And um, he's tried to bully Republicans into peeling off from this veto override vote that is certainly going to happen most likely sometime this coming week. And 
So the governor has um, bullied the pro-life Democrats in his own party, and there are some, into uh, voting against their consciences. And now he's trying to bully Republicans into voting against their consciences, which I don't think is going to work. I think um, these kinds of tactics are, um, they're just overkill. And it's exactly why Tricia Cotham, Representative Tricia Cotham, who left the Democrat Party some number of weeks ago for the Republican Party. She stated at the time that she left because they were really um, mean and um, oppressive to her. They wouldn't let her vote like she felt like her conscience dictated. So I think this is just going to make her double down on her vote for for life. Yeah, because they're doing the same thing to everybody that they were doing to her. And her point when she was talking about that, when she switched parties, and this is what the amusing part is, is there's no they don't allow for diversity of thought, diversity of action, diversity of votes. They say they're the party of diversity, but they're really the party of rigidity. And you tote the company line no matter what. And I think I'm God bless Trisha Cotham for that, for having the the, the backbone to switch. And yeah, I, I hope it blows up in their face. So I, I now isn't there? Uh, aren't you guys? There's several organizations that are part of a uh, kind of a pro life rally tomorrow. Is that right? That's right. We've teamed up with some other pro life groups. Um, so it's NC Values, um, a group called Those Other Girls, Pro Life Triangle, Susan B. Anthony List, and Students for Life Action. And we're, we've gone together to um, promote a rally, a kind of a counter-protest yeah. to Governor Cooper's rally. And we'll be right across the street. Mm. 10 a.m. downtown Raleigh, right? So you're across the street from the legislature and that whole, I can't remember what it's called, between the museums? Yeah, that's called the Bicentennial Plaza. That's where the, uh, the pro-abortion, pro-death group will be in that area and the pro-lifers will be right in front of the legislative building on the grassy areas. So okay. I would welcome your listeners to come and join us um, around nine thirty. The everything will get started about 10 and um, we hope that we'll have a lot of pro-life supporters down there in front of the legislature. Amen. And then how important, I was talking about this earlier, Tammy, just uh, encouraging everybody, especially if your representatives in the House and the Senate are Republicans, to uh, contact them and encourage them. Thank them for voting for the legislation in the first place. And just to encourage them, I was talking to a mutual friend of ours the other day, and he's like, we're getting hammered like 100 to 1 by the pro-abort crowd versus uh, people on on the pro-life side. And I think it's important for us to encourage them and thank them. And I think that oftentimes for the folks serving down there, it's kind of a thankless job. So, so what can we do in terms of reaching out to our legislators? Well, um, you can go to our website, to ncvalues.org, and we have a petition that is uh, just a couple of clicks away from sending an email to your legislator. So you can make one or two clicks, and the email will go to your legislator supporting the bill. You can also call your legislator's office. Um, that's always a good thing to do. Or come down in person. Um you know, come down. They're usually there on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. And um, I know they would love to hear from you. They'd love mm-hmm. to see you there. They would love to see you in the gallery yeah. while they're voting on the veto override. And um, we expect that to be sometime this week, probably Tuesday. Yeah. 
Got it. So a lot of great options there, ncvalues.org. Tammy, thank you, as always, for your work down there and across the state. Thank you for your stand for life and for the Lord. I always uh, appreciate you and, and thank the Lord for you. Thanks so much for calling in. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate and love you, too. Amen. Right there with you. Thanks, sis. Have a great weekend. That was uh, Tammy Fitzgerald, ncvalues.org, where you can drill down. It doesn't take much on their website. So you've got the automatic reply uh, option there to send uh, a note to your legislature. Plus, on their website, you can find your legislators. And then tomorrow at 10 a.m., start at 930 downtown at the legislature. You'll be able to tell just by the signs which crowd is for killing babies and which crowd is for saving them. Uh, I'll actually be with Love Life at a local abortion clinic tomorrow morning from 9 to 11 with a bunch of my students. It's their uh, a little extra credit opportunity for them, but more than that, we're going to be standing for life. At the same time, make sure you pray into this. Make sure you contact your legislator. We'll be right back. snapping my fingers trying to pull myself out of the doldrums (laughs) god is on the throne hey steve remember that it's like the little engine that could i think i can i think i can god still rules the universe with his feet up god still rules the universe with his feet up praise the lord let's not sell our joy down the river for a bowl of stew by thinking that all there is is the news of the day and in the increasing trouble that the united states of america is facing and choosing in many ways for itself uh, welcome back. This is Steve Noble and the Steve Noble Show. Okay, the southern border. i got a bunch of things I want to go through here. Okay, I, I pulled up a list, just so you know. So the, Bi- the Biden administration will, will openly admit, yeah, in the last 12 months, yeah, it's probably about 2 million people that have come across. 2 million. But that's the government number. You start looking elsewhere and gathering information from other sources, and you could push all the way up to 4 million with all the gotaways and the people that come across that they didn't even catch, couldn't even count for them in the first place. So 2 million on the low end, 4 million on the high end per year. So let's look at that number in terms of cities in America. These are the biggest cities in America, the population of the city itself. So LA, uh, population 4 million, that's just LA. It's not LA County or everything, including the LA market. That's much bigger. But L.A., the city, the biggest single city in America is New York City. That's 8.6 million. So we could recreate a New York City with illegal immigration in two to three years. Is that an issue for the American people? When some percentage of the people coming in are not good people and the child sex trafficking, the sex trafficking, the trafficking, human trafficking, fentanyl, all the other things that come along with that big tsunami. So at the rate we're going right now, thanks to the Biden administration, that's uh, po- repopulating New York City with illegal immigrants every two years, 8.6 million. Or L.A. itself every year, 4 million. And that's, that's the high end of the estimate, 4 million. Low end's 2 million. Let's go 3 million. Okay, so L.A., you could repopulate L.A. with illegal immigrants in about a year and a third. Chicago, bada bing, 2.6 million. Do that in a year. Houston, Texas, 2.3 million. That's a year of illegal immigrants. So so we can just kick everybody out, kick all the citizens out of Chicago, send one year's worth up there. 
Uh, and Houston, much closer. to so They don't have to travel very far. That's nice. Uh, Houston, Texas, $2.3 million. Just put them in there. And then Arizona, just book them off to the west a little bit. $1.7 million is the current population of Phoenix. So you can put them over there. A little, a little, it's a little crowded, so you're going to have to spread them out a little bit. Philadelphia, mm, sorry, guys, $1.5 million. And we're going to send $3 million your way. So that's going to overrun Philadelphia, San Antonio, 1.5 million, San Diego, 1.4 million, Dallas, 1.4 million, San Jose, California, a million. And like poor Raleigh. (laughs) My goodness, that would be bad because you start looking at who's going to get completely overrun like Oklahoma City, uh, 697,000. Well, that's easy. That's about, you know, two months of illegal immigration will repopulate that. And just imagine the Democrat Party. Hopefully it's not every member of the Democrat Party, but it's a lot of members of the Democrat Party. And just imagine if they thought, wow, what if we could repopulate all these cities and all these areas with illegal immigrants? Then we make them legal. Then most of them are going to vote for us because we've been taking care of them ever since we got here. We let them in. We gave them a phone. We gave them a little money. We gave them transportation. We get them into the city. We tell them, uh, hey, come back in two or three years for your court case. And uh, cool. It's all good, right? This was on uh, postmillennial.com. Border crossers seeking asylum given court date to appear as far off as 2027. Hey, come back. Come back in four years. Uh, C. Gracias. Gone. See you later. This is a nightmare of epic proportions and not my primary interest. Let me... Bring my uh, allegiance to Christ and his word and his truth in here. My primary problem with our almost non-existent border policy is not primarily the national sovereignty of this country. It's not primarily the drain on resources. It's not primarily uh, the certain percentage of folks coming across the southern border who are, some of them are flat-out terrorists. We learned that. I think they caught like 30 people from the terror watch list in January. And those are just the ones they caught. So you got terrorists, you got drug dealers, you got drug trafficking people, you got convicted criminals, uh, and they're coming across. The vast majority of the people coming across the southern border are not like that. And that's not even my number one concern. My number one concern actually starts on, on the, with one inch on the southern side of our border and then continuing down about 1,200 miles to the Dadian Pass, Darien Pass, I can't remember what it's called. And all the trafficking and human trafficking and use and abuse, including sexual abuse of children, it's human carnage. It's a humanitarian crisis 1,200 miles down the road, which the Biden administration and the Democrat Party in general are responsible for. They've baited the trap. Peanut butter, cheese, whatever you want to put on the trap for mice, right? And so you put something on the trap to to attract the mouse and then... They trigger the trap, and the metal piece comes down on the mouse's neck and cracks its neck, and it's dead. So the southern border being open, being lax, just come in, claim asylum. We'll give you a court date two, three, four years from now. Uh, Go get them, Tiger, and uh, we'll see you in a few years. And you come to America, the land of the free and the brave and opportunities and all that kind of stuff, and we're going to give you a phone. We're going to take good care of you. You get into the school system. Man awesome and that's that's the bait and so they risk their lives they risk the lives of children a lot of them risk the lives of other people's children 
But who put the peanut butter or the cheese on the trap? Uh, that would be the Democrat Party. All right? So that's just the reality of it. Sad but true. Uh, townhall.com. Here we go. Biden to mass release illegal immigrants onto American streets. The Biden administration plans to release countless illegal immigrants, potentially hundreds of thousands of individuals into American communities as Title 42 ends Thursday last night at midnight, 1201. And the U.S.-Mexico border becomes completely overwhelmed. It was 10,000 a day the last three days. It's going to double or triple here in the near future. So keep your eye on that. Uh, under a parole release, migrants are rapidly released into the country, do not get an alien registration number, do not receive a court date. Oops. That comes from ICE. In anticipation of the mass release, Florida issued a lawsuit against the Biden administration. Good job, DeSantis, for the move and is also ramping up penalties against illegal immigrants who use false or stolen identification. Quote, Florida seeks a temporary restraining order, which they got, to preserve the status quo until the parties can brief motions for a preliminary injunction or to postpone the effective date of the new policy. The Biden administration's behavior, if left unchecked, makes a mockery of our system of justice and our Constitution. But they that's what they believe. So. It makes sense. Florida asked the court to order a response by 4 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time and rule on this motion by 11 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time when the Title 42 order expires, which they got, okay, last night. So just just dealt with some aspects of it. But they're in there dealing with it. And the Biden administration, the border, they're like, hey, and Mayorkas is like, well, it's going to be a little chaotic down there for a while. Uh, Excuse me, sir. They've got to impeach this guy. Excuse me, sir. You've been saying for the last two years that the southern border is under control. So which is it? It's under control because if it's under control, it's not chaos. If it's chaos, it's not under control. So take your pick. You can't get a little bit pregnant. It's one or the other. It's one or the other. It's a joke. They can't impeach him fast enough. Unbelievable. DeSantis lawsuit against Biden admin halts disastrous policy as borders set to be overrun. So you can go do town halls at CNN and all that kind of stuff. But the thing I like about DeSantis is he just does the work, right? He's just doing the work. He's just down there doing the work. We'll see what happens to the primary. But I, I love this guy as far as being a, a governor in Florida is the new Texas. So way to go. A lawsuit brought by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis's administration on Thursday against the Biden administration has stopped the, de- the Department of Homeland Security from being able to release illegal aliens into the U.S. if officials at the border are unable to deal with large influxes of people just because of overcapacity. Judge Thomas Kent uh, Weatherill II of the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Florida issued the ruling with the, just a few hours before Title 42 last night was set to expire. DHS is enjoined from implementing or enforcing the parole policy contained in the May 10th, 2023 memorandum. Uh, This TRO will take effect at 11 p.m. last night to correspond with the expiration of the Title 42 order. So uh, that's helpful, but that's short term. Okay, so we'll see what happens. So what happened? What are the Democrats doing in the House, by the way? 213 House Democrats vote against securing the border hours before Title 42 expires. Of course, they of course, they don't want to secure the border, but they care about people. Remember, and this nation was this is this is how you get gaslit. This nation was. Built by immigrants, true, but not illegal immigrants. Now, we have a lot of illegal immigrants working now, but they're referencing the history of the nation. And, and now there's a lot of actual you know, citizens that help continue to build the country as well, the Democrat Party. All Democrats voted against the legislation, as did two House Republicans, Thomas Massey from Kentucky and John Duarte from California. Now, I'm going to tell you what's in this bill so you can understand Uh, As if you don't already. (laughs) Kind of the M.O. of the Democrat Party. We'll do that. 
a little bit on the Trump town hall with CNN, a few other stories. Alvin Bragg in New York City at it again. Because if you're a hero to a progressive, you're the enemy. Right? Got it? Reverse everything. We'll be right back. I only caught about the last 25 minutes of the Trump town hall on CNN. When I first heard about it, I'm like, what? A Trump town hall on CNN sounds a little bit like oil and water to me. But CNN, desperate for rank ratings. I mean, that, that was probably a good move on their part. They had like 700,000 people watch it. I watched the last 25 minutes. I'm just like, okay. All right, I'll talk about that in a minute. Let me finish this. This is what gets uh, a Democrat upset in the House of Representatives. Um, When the Republicans craft a bill that would do a few things. And let me just go through a little list for you. So you can see what, if you want to trigger a Democrat in Congress, this is what you do. Require President Biden and his administration to restart border wall construction. (laughs) No, you you can't put up with that. You want to kill babies, so it's fine. Uh, or give hormone blockers to children. That's fine. But restart the border wall construction? Oh, no, it's terrible. We love people. Uh, here's another one. Begin using new technology at our southern border and northern borders. New technology? No, I mean, that, that does have the outside chance of, like, decreasing illegal immigration. So that's not such a hot idea for a Democrat. Number three, provide, I told you, it's Snarky Friday. Provide funding to hire more Border Patrol agents and pay bonuses. Now, why would we want to go do a crazy thing like that? Okay, no way. I'm being a Democrat. Uh, Another one, increase DHS transparency so Americans know how many illegal immigrants are unlawfully entering the country. Mm, That sounds a lot like accountability to me. I'm sorry, I can't can't vote for that. Here's another one. Make existing laws stronger to protect unaccompanied children from trafficking and abuse. Uh, I don't know if I can support that because, you know, you pro-lifers, I, uh, and plus unaccompanied children get used all the time to bring more and more illegal immigrants up here. We want more illegal immigrants up here. So I'm not so sure I can support that. Sorry. Next, a discontinued catch and release of illegal immigrants. Oh, I definitely can't support that. Uh, next and the president's abuse of executive immigration authority. <laughs> That's how we get things done here. I can't support that. Uh, last but not least, just in this one list on townhall.com, improve the asylum process and make it more efficient. Mm, no, because if we make the whole thing more efficient, because uh, we, you know, we, we want immigration up to a million a year if it's under control and we vet because you shouldn't have an open border because that's like you drop a big giant net into the ocean and you pull it up. Not everything in there is going to be good for your uh, yummy, yummy, yummy. I got love in my tummy. Not not everything is going to be good for you in there. So you actually have to sift through and discern. Uh, Criminal record? No, thank you. Uh, Drug dealer? No, thank you. Uh, You're not going to be able to provide for yourself? Uh, No, thank you. We can't help everybody. So those are the things that got the the, uh, Republican, which is one of the strongest border security bills that the Republicans have ever passed, which the stronger it gets, the least likely you'll have that Democrats will 
even look at it. So they can't. Again, reality, ideology trumps reality in today's America. Ideology trumps reality. And it doesn't matter how many people are suffering on the southern border. And just remember, when, like when, an, when somebody tells you they're an atheist, the reality is they're not. Because I believe the Bible, Romans chapter 1, God has made his existence plain. Everybody knows he's there. So they're without excuse. Romans chapter 1, if you say you believe the Bible, you got to believe that part. So there's no such thing as an atheist. They can say they're an atheist, just like a man can say he's a woman. That doesn't mean it's so. There are no atheists. Just remember that. And so when Democrats say we care about people, just remember they don't really. They care about power. On an individual basis, okay, maybe I'll have a conversation with you. But as a party, in terms of their governance, the laws they pass, the laws they oppose, they don't care about people. They care about power. Okay, so the town hall thing with CNN. CNN's, this is from the AP, CNN's town hall quickly turned chaotic, displaying the tightrope facing journalists covering Trump. <laughs> no kidding. So a town hall is generally supposed to be, this was, this is a new, I think it was in New Hampshire, it's generally supposed to be uh, Republican voters and undecided. And, and, and maybe you get some Democrats in there, but when it's, when it's Trump, that, that's going to get out of control fast. So it was mostly, he had a mostly friendly crowd, which was interesting, which is why so many regular CNN viewers were so upset that they did this at all. And, you know, Trump's a big fat liar all the time. So why would you platform the guy? So that really upset him. I think it just shows you how desperate CNN is for ratings because they had about 700,000 people watching, uh, which is huge for them. But, it, you know, it's not going to go well. And essentially it became a debate between Caitlin Collins, the CNN moderator, and Trump. And at one point late in it, Trump goes, uh, you know, not looking at her. He's just like, uh, you're a nasty woman. What? Okay. Cards on the table. Ready? And some of you probably never listen to me again after I say this, which is fine. Uh, I thought Trump's performance was typical, predictable, ridiculous, childish, immature, uncontrolled, unhinged, and he acted like a fourth grader. That's how it came across to me. I thought three out of his four years as, as the president were excellent. I thought in the fourth year, he completely lost control of the whole thing, ceded control of the COVID thing over to Pope Fauci and Burks, and uh, leadership just disappeared. And I don't know what happened there for him and Operation Warp Speed, which ended up being not a vaccine and all the other stuff, and he didn't lead. But his first three years, awesome. Would I vote for him over uh, Joe Biden? In a heartbeat. But my opinion about Trump on a personal level is very low. And and I was watching it just going, oh, first of all, I'm like, just answer the question. He just he doesn't if, the, if if answering a question would make it look in any way like he's responsible for something that's even off a little bit. He just won't go there. So he's just he's just like spewing nonsense to me. And it was just frustrating. I'm like, OK, <laughs> really? I'm done. But I watched 20 minutes of it. So you jump over here, like, here's National View. Trump's TKO against CNN. I was like, huh? Uh, so this writer, Jim Garrity, I debated whether I wanted to write about Donald Trump and CNN two days in a row, but last night was an embarrassing debacle for the news network and an unexpectedly clear knockout win for the former president. I'm, you know, I, I kept reading. The night was effectively won the moment the CNN, that CNN invited the New Hampshire GOP and other state groups to help fill the audience. That's true. Ensuring that Trump would be performing in front of an enthusiastic, supportive crowd. That's true. 
Sure, the viewers at home probably weren't as impressed like me. And the folks who will see the clips in the next few days might even uh, less so. But the persistent applause and laughter created a sense that Trump was in complete command of the room and toying with the moderator, Caitlin Collins. CNN has a lot of egg on its face this morning. Meanwhile, Trump endorsed defaulting on the debt and in the process may well have increased the leverage of House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. So CNN's town hall meeting kind of in in many ways blew up in their face. They got a bigger audience than they usually do. But it was just typical Trump. And it's just like watching a debate. He's not going to play by regular debate rules. And it was, it was for me, it was, it was painful to watch, and I, quite frankly, uh, embarrassing. Steve, I can't believe, I, I'm gonna tell you the truth. I'm gonna tell you what I think. And there you go. This was a great point in the Washington Examiner about that the uh, the CNN town hall. Biden wouldn't have been able to endure what Trump did at CNN town hall. That's for sure. <laughs> No way. Combative responses, snarky comments, repeated interruptions, and attempts at fact-checking were all part of Collins' repertoire. It was unsurprising given the hostile relationship between the left-wing network and the former president. However, it did make one thing abundantly clear to the country. President Joe Biden would, have been able to, would not have been able to endure the rigors Trump faced Wednesday night. That's right. It was just an hour and 20 minutes of constant pounding back and forth. And Biden would have lost his junk and couldn't have handled it anyway because he, he can't think effectively. I don't like the way Trump communicates. I don't like the way he dodges a lot of things and just hits back instead of dealing with the issue or the question. But he's still pretty sharp, and he'll go all over the map with you for two hours. I, I think he's remarkably inarticulate, but his, his mind works well, and he's thinking a lot of different things. Biden would have just folded like a cheap suit. It would have been horrible, and, and I don't delight in that. The fact that we have a gentleman that will be 81 this year that is obviously mentally and physically compromised because of his age, which you would expect when you're about to turn 81, uh, that's just sad to me. It's sad that the nation's there, that that's the kind of options that we have. It's sad that his wife went along with it. I'm careful not to judge her, but it doesn't look very good. And the Democrat Party is essentially using the guy. He's just a puppet in many ways. That's sad to me. And now, really, next year, it's going to be an 81-year-old versus a 77-year-old or whatever Trump will be next year? Like, like, really? <sighs> Pretty amazing. Okay, last but not least, Alvin Bragg to file charges against Hero Marine. This is on townhall.com. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, that's the guy that went after Trump, indicted him. Uh, what, six weeks ago, plans to bring manslaughter charges against former Marine Daniel Penny after he saved lives and protected fellow New Yorkers from a violent longtime criminal on the subway. They did arrest Daniel Penny today. Okay, they're going to charge him with manslaughter. The decision, to, the, the decision to charge Daniel Perry was made by the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, that's Bragg, and will happen without being presented to a grand jury at this time. So you try defund the police. And then if an average citizen's trying to do the right thing and protect his fellow travelers on the subway because somebody's losing their mind and saying crazy things. And by the way, they didn't know he had a history of this stuff, but he does. And you step in and try to do the right thing to Alvin Bragg, who's going to downgrade all kinds of crimes. He's going to upgrade that and go after a guy because he's white. Maybe. I don't know. Because he's a conservative. I don't know if he is because he's a Marine. I don't know. I do know it was a white guy trying to help his fellow travelers and uh, he put a black guy in a chokehold who ended up dying, which I take no thrill in. It's sad. The whole thing's sad. So make sure, friends, we're praying for the nation. 
Contact your North Carolina legislator if they're Republican. Encourage them on the bill next week. This is Steve Noble on the Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll talk to you again real soon. And like my dad always used to say, ever forward.